0: And we are coming to you from a small patch of Southern California that did not burn down. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's just, it's just my area here. Yeah, still stands. Man, yeah. the fires, the fires.
0: It was and crazy. You and you, you know, you're always. They near. were they were surrounding us this last time. But yeah, so we we didn't have a show last week uh, because uh, the fires. And uh, there was one that was. There were a couple that were close, but the the, the big one, the Getty one, that yeah. was. That was pretty close to me. But it also, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to come here because the roads were closed. The roads were they, closed. They shut down uh, roads, yeah. and then there's traffic and everything else, and it's just uh, it's too, too, too hard to – Yeah, you don't have
1: off. to actually be right in the middle of the sort of fires in order to be affected by the oh, fires. Oh, no. They, 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 the, um, the reach, and the mess. It's, uh,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the 405 was shut down. Yeah. They, when you shut down the 405 in the Sepulveda Pass, for anybody who knows Southern California, this is a major artery. I mean, the 405 is the major north-south uh, artery in the area, and it just you know, that's just that, that it, that's it.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. So you're going to the airport, the university where we have both taught, Mount St. Mary's University, yes, right yeah. there at the top of the mountain. Yeah. Uh, they evacuated the entire university. Your, your class was canceled? My class was canceled. Yeah. yeah. So yeah,
0: it was just one of those kind The of fire things. was all around it. Yeah. It, just, you know. <laughs> it burned all around And then the a new
1: fire started right up near the Reagan Library. Yeah. Um, uh, two, two or three days after that. And two. Friends of ours were in the yeah.
0: evacuation zone there, and that,
1: and I didn't realize that fire came real close to the Reagan Library. It did very? Close. I mean, I when they said, "Oh, because oh, you know, I already Reagan, but no, 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 it was you know, uh, real
0: close. The first one was the Getty Getty Center, and the next one, Reagan Library. It's like the fire almost had a mind. It said, "We're gonna, we're gonna go after <laughs> next." To, you know, somehow, if a fire had broken out next to the L.A. County Museum downtown, yeah, yeah. would have thought, "Okay, something's <laughs> in the air." Uh, but in any case, we're back, uh, and uh, really interesting box office weekend. Everyone is. I'm reading all these stories about how, uh, oh, Terminator Dark Fate is flopping. It could lose a hundred million dollars. It it opened, you know, catastrophically. No one saw this coming. Listen, people, I, I I am I am by no means the world's greatest box office prognosticator. But there are certain things that are a fact, and here's a fact. Terminator, the first Terminator, did some good money. Terminator 2 made crazy money. Mm -hmm. The next three Terminators Mm -hmm. each made 25% less than the previous one. Mm -hmm. The last one, Terminator Genesis, is the first one since the original Terminator to domestically gross less than $100 million. Mm -hmm. Every single time there is a franchise that has at least two consecutive downturns, and this one had three, the franchise is dead. Yeah, nothing has ever recovered. Why they thought that another one bringing back the geriatric stars of T2? Yeah. with 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 gray hair and wrinkles and, and 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 I mean, that was your you're in my generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. we want to see no. them come back? No. No. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> and, and it's, it's it's real clean. It's real it's real, it's just that simple. And and it, when you move down through the generations, you move into people who care less and less and less about it, have less and less, less connection to the 19 what was it 84? Yeah. film, have less have no idea who Linda Hamilton is. Yeah. So when they see the you know, and I love me some Linda Hamilton, but sure. wait, but if you're 30 and you see Linda Hamilton, you're like, "Man, she used to be hot." Yeah. That's you know where you, you go. You know and that's not good.
0: You know what you're doing when you bring back Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton and they and they both look that old do you know what you're doing to me the generation yeah. that you're really trying to get into the theater you're reminding me how old, how I, old I, am. I
1: am and no. i do not want that i no. want linda hamilton and arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> in my head looking like they looked in 1984 yes forever that way i'm in my head kind of like i was in 1984 forever yeah. and in and, 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 and again 30 year olds 25 years old they have no idea who these old people are no. I, and don't care Uh, And they've already seen much uh, equally uh, equally well executed films with the same sort of technology. So there's nothing about the technology in that film that's fascinating. The first time you and I saw that liquid, uh, yeah, uh, it was it was great. That was fantastic. You know, Um, uh, but you know they've been looking at liquidy crap, this and that kind of Android and everything on television, on television, on streaming series, all kinds of fantastic things done every night of the week. So nothing that you're gonna do on that screen. Uh, with these battling androids, uh, nah. do I care about nope. if I'm 21?
0: It's not a surprise. Yeah. Not a surprise. But, but what did do well?
1: Harriet. Yeah. Harriet. Uh, the the Harriet film, The Harriet Tubman film starring Cynthia Riva, uh, directed by our Cassie uh, Lemons. Yeah. Did very well. This is a little bit surprising. Now, uh, some people might not be aware of this, but in the sort of black Twitterverse, that this film, its casting, its existence has been very controversial. Lots of younger, particularly black folks, have been beating up on this movie real bad for a couple of different reasons. One, Cynthia, who who is fantastic, she's uh, really wonderful, really good actress. Uh, Cynthia is not African American; Uh, she is African. Mm-hmm. Uh, of uh, of uh, English descent, of British descent. And see, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So
0: it's, it's it's that. I mean, there is that whole class of actors who are these these classically trained British actors yes. who are of Niger, from Nigerian Nigeria, Nigerian immigrant Henn- parents.
1: Henn- 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 all these people. She happens to be of Nigerian Ch- descent. Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, uh, David Oyelowo. Uh, 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 so many, you know, yeah. uh, Ruth uh, Nega, uh, yeah. uh, uh, uh all, all of these. Yeah. Th- and 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 here they are uh, playing these uh, iconic. Yeah. African American characters. David played uh, uh, Martin Luther Martin King. King, yeah, uh, and Cynthia playing uh, uh, Ruth Negga played uh, the, the the wife in that Lovings movie about the Lovings. Yeah, uh, and there are these British actors in black. Actors and black folks in general are starting to take notice of this and be really kind of pissy about it. It's not her story, mm-hmm. the story of African-American slavery. Other thing that's problematic with that movie uh, among in the black Twitterverse, again, is the central villain of this film set uh, during slavery is a black man, uh, a, 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 a black slave hunter. Uh, used to hunt down Harriet and, and all this getting tracker and all this kind of stuff. So they've 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 written this movie set during the the, the the slave owning period and they've somehow managed to make a black man the central villain of the movie. This and, and this is another problem. Now, nevertheless, uh, all of this sort of controversy within the black community notwithstanding, the film yep. did very well at the box office, better than expected. This is because very for, interesting. A, a lot of folks. Um, who don't know about these things? Who aren't filtering these things this way? Who are just looking for a fairly decent drama? And it is a decent drama. I didn't, I didn't particularly care for it uh, my, when you know, we saw it some time yeah. ago. Um, um, uh, but it's okay. Uh,
0: and it's I, fine. And it, I it noted, needed, but I
1: noted these problems.
0: It needed a bigger budget. It needed a slightly different script. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's you know the story. The story of Harriet Tubman is a bit of an epic story, and this didn't feel sufficiently epic.
1: No, it felt um, it, it was, she's young. She's young. Richard The scale wasn't correct.
0: The scale wasn't correct, and the and the reach wasn't correct. It only covers a couple of years, and it should have. You know, you you want to really do justice to Harriet Tubman. You really have to cover 10, 15 years of her life. You yeah. really have to sink your teeth into it. But uh, nonetheless, she's very good. But that is interesting. And Lupita Nyong'o is Kenyan. Yeah. So, you know, there uh, there is a yeah, – She
1: hasn't played a, you know, a, a historical figure yet. No. Um, uh, so well, it, it's, 12 it's a Years thing. a Slave,
0: but it's a fictional figure.
1: But it's uh, a yeah, But it's an interesting sort of conversation that went on uh, and uh, that is going on. But yeah. If you didn't know about it, you wouldn't know about it. But it did do well.
0: Well, I think there is something to be said there that um, we are historically so ignorant that rediscovering some of these stories may have some traction. Mm. Yeah, even you know. If it, even if uh, not as good as they should be.
1: Now, look, personally, I don't believe in cultural appropriation, the thought of notion of cultural appropriation. Everything's culturally appropriated. It, 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 look, it, there's only one culture, it's just a uh, human culture. It's the only culture we got. Uh, uh, and uh, and to, so far as I am concerned, every human on the planet has claimed to mm. all of the cultures spawned by uh, any of the other
0: humans on the planet. I am opposed to one cultural appropriation mm. pineapple on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's not right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, not right. right.
1: Is that a Hawaiian culture? It's uh, whatever it, it is. is it's wrong. It it's just happen. wrong. Right. It's
0: just leave, leave the pineapples in Hawaii and <laughs> leave everybody else to you can. You can do California pizza. You could do Russian pizza. I don't care what you do, but that I draw the line at uh, at pineapple. I. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, uh, and my my mother-in-law will eat uh, it all day long, and it drives me crazy. crazy, crazy. All right. We well, got? we're gonna we're gonna dive into it. We got uh, we got good stuff this week. Uh, we got a giveaway of uh, Galaxy Quest, the new uh, fantastic steelbook edition uh, that has just been released, and an interview with uh, my good friend David Howard, who uh, created Galaxy Quest, yeah. the, ori- the original screenwriter. Had a little chat with Dave Howard and a really, really, really interesting little bit of breaking news that's going to end the show with that interview. You guys Ooh. are going to be stoked. Oh, it's 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 fun. It's going to be really fun. So uh, we're going to do that. We've got uh, 4K stuff. Oh, you know, I'm going to start off with some – some. it's after Halloween, but there was some late coming uh, Halloween horror-y stuff that we should just make a quick mention of. If you know it, it, it's never uh, it, you don't have to only watch horror on Halloween you yeah. can watch it anytime. So we got some good low budget horror here. Came in uh, too late for the last show and and we would have covered it just before Halloween last week, but there were fires. So uh, I'll just hit a few of these really quick. There's a, this is fun Gothic Harvest uh, with uh Linche, Sophia Matson, and Bill Mosley. A um uh, I, I do like the tagline here. A voodoo curse won't let them live. Or die. I don't really know what that means, but it's better than most of the ones that we get in this. And actually, this is not bad. It's it's really really low budget. Uh, This is from Cinadime, but it's it's more original than most of these. Uh, It's about a you know essentially a um, uh, it's a voodoo curse. You know, there's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a southern voodoo curse and a bunch of women who are having a party and, uh, you know, there's, one of them winds up getting being subjected to this curse. And it's got some good scares in it, and it's, it's pretty well done for its contained uh, concept and environment. Uh, then we got one here called... This is... Uh, Blumhouse was involved in this, and uh, it's good to know that they continue to do this. This is also from Cinedigm. This is called Prey, P-R-E-Y, not the other Prey. And, uh, you know, Blumhouse does have a way with somehow making the most out of these uh, these very, very low-budget premises. Um, this is kind of a um, sort of a horror monster thing at the same time. It, the premise would be a little bit silly. There's this... Um, uh you know this 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 one guy whose dad has been killed and uh he's he's struggling with the aftermath of having to deal with that and um winds up getting involved with this this program that lands him uh is part of his you know recovery in life he winds up in uh, uh on this jungle island and um next thing you know he meets a girl don't ask why he meets a girl on the jungle island but there's something on the island. It's supposed to be uninhabited, but there's something else on it, and the prey is who's hunting whom. It's, you know, it's a monster on an island movie. It's fine. It's, you know, not Island of Dr. Moreau, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Them that follow... That's due for another version, isn't it? Oh,
1: Maybe not. <laughs> that, you remember that because that one that they did with uh, Val Kilmer and, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah Marlon Brando yeah and where mm-hmm. he wouldn't put his pants on. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't. That might be apocryphal, but they say yeah. that for the entire shoot he wouldn't put his pants on. That way they had to shoot him sitting down. Richard
0: Richard Stanley directed oh, that, oh, and yeah. I met Richard Stanley shortly th- uh, around that time. Mm. Oh, is that? I've I've shared that story on the show before. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, them that follow and Art of the Dead. Both of these. have have something in common they have attractive women on the cover and they have snakes and uh there it is uh could even be the same kind of snake anyway the uh them that follow has uh olivia coleman in it who just won an oscar by the way and a really really good cast uh walton goggins jim gaffigan olivia coleman that's not a bad cast. Yeah, man. Um, the movie's not quite up to snuff with those people in it, but it, it you know what? It's not bad. It, it's been at a few festivals. It was at Sundance and South by Southwest, and uh, it uh, it's its not quite a monster movie, but it really uh, it sort of feels like it ought to be one. It's about um, Pentecostal snake handlers in Appalachia, and Goggins plays the pastor, and uh, it, uh, it, 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 it winds up going into a really, really dark and creepy place. And it winds up getting so dark and creepy that uh, it really does feel like a Halloween movie. It's worth it. It's, it's, it's not quite gothic horror, but it's so gothic that it could be horror. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah that, that, it's that new southern gothic, bumping the microphone, yeah. that new southern gothic sort of Yeah, play.
0: Totally. And then *Art of the Dead* has Tara Reed in it, uh, along with rich an almost unrecognizable Richard Grieco, who has not aged terribly well. Uh, um, I know remember when he was. Oh like,
1: man! After after he, he replaced was, Johnny Depp. On, yeah, *21 yeah. Jump Street*, and yeah. then *Booker*, and uh, a couple of movies, and then uh, *Gravity*. Now, yeah.
0: Well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this is the, the the snake aspect of this is is kind of marginal it's really just the snake that's on the on the cover of the thing uh, but uh, this is about a this is about evil that is um, accompanied by this collection of seven paintings which correspond to the seven deadly sins so you know it's a little bit like seven. Uh, yeah, in that yeah. sense, except now we've gone into supernatural paintings, but pride, lust, gluttony, sloth, greed, envy, wrath, and uh, you know there's like a curse attached to them, and it's it's not a not a bad idea um, executed decently. And then the last set of these, this is, uh, these are five films that all come from a new company that we are uh, now uh, covering, which is High Octane. High Octane does a lot of really cool low-budget stuff. And uh, all five of these uh, have something going for them. Uh, the first one is really good artwork on the cover here. Marla. Uh, this is a great tagline. Your first time with her will be your last. <laughs> Ooh, really? Yikes uh kind of I spit on your gravish uh, a little bit anyway the um this is this is about an IUD gone wrong I will leave that with you only right there uh it, it's uh it, it is it is a mad scientist mad doctor thing and uh, uh the IUD winds up being not such a great thing I don't know if it's pro or anti birth control kind of hard maybe might even be neither but anyway and then there is uh, landing lake. Uh, landing lake is um, kind of uh, sort of a monster alien invasiony uh, thing. I, 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 I don't want to give too much away here. It's a It's a good premise. something crashes in a lake and uh, something starts affecting people as a result. And uh, how do you uh, you know how do you cope with it? It's a little bit like I mean alien, there's a little alien little uh, invasion of the body snatchers going on. Uh, but done on a low budget and a, and, a, and a small scale in a very, very uh, intelligent way. Ellipse. Uh, this is more science fiction than horror, but it's uh, it's from high octane and also, likewise, uh, done very, very well on a low budget. Uh, this is a, um, this is about an emergency crash, uh, like a guy who has to to, to crash land and uh, winds himself on, winds up finding himself with his dog on an alien planet and um uh, has to cope with the survival you know it's a, like a i don't know like 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 a, like a, a desert island movie yeah. science fiction style a little bit uh, blood myth good supernatural stuff here uh, this is about a uh, journalist who is a skeptic about all things paranormal and uh, then his fiancee winds up being falling victim to something that he doesn't believe in, and he goes off uh, and discovers that you know everything that he didn't think was real was is probably much more than real. And, uh, and then there's one called Three Lives. It has an even funnier uh, tagline: "You only get one." I don't even know what that means. Three <laughs> lives? You only get one? I don't know. You're contradicting the title. It no. uh, Doesn't matter. It's okay. Uh, so you, um, it starts with a woman who wakes up as a prisoner in this bunker, and, uh, so it's a little bit like Saw at that point, and she's been a hostage, and now you sort of catch up with, uh, you know, what she needs to do to escape her captor and all that kind of stuff. It's, uh... You know, been done before, but uh, again, like all of these uh, high-octane things, limited budget, limited resources, and very, very effectively done. So there it is. Uh, now let's move to uh, do let's some go. new stuff.
1: Uh, a little TV of the new stuff. Our
0: TV, our TV. Let's do some TV. I'll
1: I'll, yeah. I'll dip into a little of the TV I have it kind of organized over here, and some of the stuff is actually pretty good. Um, uh, from PBS, actually the BBC, but through PBS, this uh, British series Press, which is a series that I really rather enjoyed. I watched it on the BB, on, uh, BBC America. It's set in the world of the British newspaper industry. These two sort of rival newspapers. And if you know anything about British newspapers, uh, in in the real world, the, the British newspaper business is vicious it's kind of like um the american newspaper industry was a hundred years ago when guys like hearst mm. and uh and pulitzer who ran the newspapers in new york and uh were, were just engaged in this sort of vicious yellow journalism uh, periods uh 24-hour news cycles and all that kind of stuff the, under a lot of pressure um ben chaplin in this series I, I I always dug Ben. Uh, He was a movie star there for a while, Thin Red Line, yeah, a, a couple yeah. of different things there. But he just brings a certain sort of gravitas to stuff yeah. that I always just thoroughly enjoyed. Anyway, this is a sort of really fast-paced, hard-hitting series. And it's interesting in that newspapers – we were talking about it a little bit earlier t- today. The newspaper newspapers are not what they were when you and I started in this business no. 30 years ago. No. Uh, actual physical newspapers. Uh, but this Sad. actually keeps it, it really, yeah. It really is ridiculously, you know. I don't know to even think about it. Um, Vikings season five. You know this uh, volume. I'm amazed two, this has gone five seasons. It, 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 season five, volume two. Uh, season five had 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 had, had uh, two sections to it. This is the second half of season five. Ten uh, unrated episode. The neat thing about this stuff is that each one of these episodes, or each this features each episode in an extended version. All ten episodes. Are longer and contain more content than the episodes as they aired. You watched them on TV, which is interesting. You know, um, to my mind, because You know, Scandinavia, the Vikings, sure. all this sort of quasi-historical stuff mm-hmm. was always a little bit more interesting than the Game of thrones kind of stuff. Yeah. Because it's a little bit – Yeah, I mean, I mean, the production value is not even close. Not even close. Not even close to what they're doing in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, uh, no dragons, you know, <laughs> because dragons don't exist. Mm-hmm. But to the extent that this was uh, coming from a quasi-historical yeah. place, some of these people actually existed and yeah. stuff like that. I always I found it more
0: interesting, and and uh, my ancestor turned into a character on the show. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I it, which which was weird when I read about it because you know I I watched the first season and I was like, okay, you know Gabriel Byrne is a Viking. I'm I'm, I'm just a <laughs> dark
1: haired, swarthy no, no. Viking. But
0: but uh, but then I found out that uh, that Rollo, the first Duke of Normandy, who was the uh, gr- and great grandfather of William the Conqueror, mm-hmm. that he was covered on the show. Well, I'm descended from william the conqueror's uncle who was an excommunicated archbishop so i'm descended from rollo as well which is not unique there are literally probably a hundred million people who are descended from rollo today but but um but yeah i found that interesting and the story of rollo is really interesting i don't know if they did it on the show but he was he was too tall they called him the walker because he was too tall to ride small norwegian ponies and Mm -hmm. he had and he wound up commanding danish fleets because his dad was burned alive in a by a rival chieftain in the cabin, and Rollo had to flee. Mm. So you know, fun times in Norway back then.
1: <laughs> and and the thing about Vikings, Vikings were kind of vicious, man. Kind of. I mean, dude. I mean, kind of. Know, I mean, it's like, like, what the hell? But so Game of Thrones is super vicious uh, compared to which is speaking. which is
0: amazing when you look at Norwegians today because they're the least vicious people in the world. Yeah. But,
1: hey, man, it's just let's
0: love and peace and uh, yeah. You
1: know, but it is a highly uh, what is it? Heterog- homogeneous or heterogeneous,
0: heterogeneous, uh, homogeneous. So yeah. a highly,
1: highly homogeneous uh, yes. culture. Yes. I mean, it's like even more so than like the Japanese, which is like incredibly, True. uh, you know. But,
0: but you know, I think I don't think it would take much for for to push Japan to be, uh, you know, to get back into, into samurai and shogun yeah. mode. <laughs> I think if you if you went to the, to the Norwegians and said, "Hey, here are some helmets and some swords and some ships. Uh, go go raiding." No way. No, you, like, you couldn't no. get them to go there. The Japanese, though, they'd be <laughs> like, all right, sweet. Give me, give me my ninja outfit.
1: Well, for one thing, the Norwegians have a sovereignty fund, yeah. uh, which, you know, that, that'll calm any culture down. When you have $500 billion, yeah, oil. <laughs> oil does that, a oil lot. that oil sovereignty. Yeah, uh, Veronica Mars. Uh, they, so the relaunch of Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars yeah. original series, early two thousands. I think maybe two thousand three or something like that. Yep. Enjoyed that series for a season or so. Um, um, uh, you know, but you know, it wasn't the kind of thing that I that I stuck with. Funny. Um. Uh. A a, a decade later, they uh, Veronica Mars comes back, and they had this whole Kickstarter thing at first, and then and then it did well, and they had they did a whole season. I gotta tell you, thoroughly enjoy Grown Up Veronica Mars. Yeah. Uh. Veronica Mars as a teenager in high school. eh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, but you can't. You know, you can't. Yeah, uh, grown up Veronica. <laughs> oh, you, know, you know what? Grown up Veronica's a hot. She's a milf. Yeah. Uh, and this is a dirty, dirty show. It really is. It's a dirty, dirty show. This show is, and uh, it is so, 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 so funny. Uh, I, 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 it's just in nice little thing. There's an explosion, kill somebody in the show. The show goes a little bit darker than the other show did. Obviously, yeah, it, it needs not, to. Yeah, it, it would have to. to. Uh, and because of that, it's kind of it's it's it was a pretty good first season for the uh, reconstituted uh, Veronica Mars. Uh, Neil uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, good omen good omens um, which he wrote with the late Terry Pratchett um, uh, yeah, I watched it, yeah, it was fun, yeah. Uh, you know, Michael Sheehan, uh, yeah, yeah, David Tennant, um, yeah, yeah, what can I say?
0: It's, I, I am I am not familiar with the original material, with the source material, but yeah. I, it's fun, yeah. I know this was, they tried to develop this a number of different times, I think they just got the right two actors, yeah,
1: and, and that's what that that's why, it, to the extent that it works, yeah. that's why
0: it works. These two guys are having a hell of a time as
1: a yeah. devil and angel on Earth, sort of doing. Doing their thing includes about six hours worth of bonus content. Uh, And if you're, I mean, if you're really, really a sort of Neil Gaiman completist, you're going to want to do this. I was, I enjoyed Lucifer when it was on television for a while there. Um, Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. This is so, so, so much fun. So, like, way back in 2002 or 2003, I'm not ashamed to say that I was a big Teen Titans fan. Uh, I I don't know why, (laughs) but I was into Teen Titans. I was too. Teen Titans Go, (coughs) which is uh, the modern version of the teen Titans and they're actually younger um, yeah whatever I, I sort of grew out of it this is a neat little DC animated series teen Titans go versus teen Titans so what you have is uh, the the nefarious mastermind master of games he figures out a way to pit the teen Titans of Teen Titans go against the Teen Titans of 2003 uh, and it's really kind of a neat uh, idea and a whole lot of fun I just I thought it was a hoot uh, so if you're a big kid or an actual kid, you'll probably enjoy that. Um, Kevin Costner's uh, series uh, Yellowstone, season two. Uh, yeah, I got to tell you, I, I'm 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 a little bit surprised that this series is as popular as it is. It's basically Falcon Crest, Dynasty, Dallas, all of those great sort of family based dramatic series. Uh, that we that we watched all through the uh, through the 80s and uh, in, in early 90s uh, sort of reconstituted in, in this series. A dynasty, I think, is even on Fox Television again, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, it is. And, and this is this is one of those with Kevin Coster as the you know patriarch of this 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 Western family. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's you know, I'm like, wow. You know, this kind of stuff still plays. Drama
0: still plays. It dude. does. You know, it's weird. Peyton plays. Will you get always the, if be you get the plays. right. If you get the right actor with gravitas. Hmm. It'll play.
1: You can do one. You can just you can you can, do you can, it. You can do one of things. Succession is one that they're talking about now. have, yeah. you, have you watched it? I have it? not. I have no. not seen it. again. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to dip into it. Over three hours worth of bonus content on this, including an interview with Kevin Costner.
0: There you go. Good stuff. Uh, all right, see. we got some 4K here. Uh, these are these are all new 4Ks. I'm gonna start off with the DC one. DC Universe movie, Wonder Woman, Bloodlines. Uh, this is an original uh, DC Universe movie, animated and it is it's quite good actually it's a wonder woman origin story kind of a semi-origin story uh but you got an organization called villainy inc and they're going to invade uh the the uh the the home island of wonder woman in the amazon so she's gotta she's gotta lead the battle to to fight them back nothing particularly novel there but it it's all very well done well written uh and uh you know the uh the, the, it, it introduces the cheetah, which is which is cool. Uh, you know that's the cheetah hasn't I don't think been done sufficiently really in the DC universes yet, and uh, they're also got a, a really cool preview here of Superman Red Sun, which is the next one they're going to release. And this is on four K. It looks absolutely terrific. Has a really cool short on it as well called Death, which is based on the uh, Neil Gaiman. No, um, oh. uh, where where he reinvents death as yeah. a young girl, it's quite interesting. So anyway, Wonder Woman bloodlines in 4K, well worth seeing in 4K. It's it's a it's really top notch work. Warner Warner is doing a great job with all that stuff. Stuber in 4K, don't bother. Yeah, uh, this is a buddy thing with Dave Batista and uh, Kumail Nanjiani. I, I which you know it's well intentioned. I kind of like them both. I like. You know Dave Bautista better, but it's just as far as buddy cop things go. Eh, I don't really know why this movie even exists, and if you have to watch it, rent it. There's no reason for this to be in 4K. There really isn't. <laughs> I know, honestly. It's like, I mean, you know, you you watch this, and all you all you can think is, okay, you know, lethal weapon in 48 hours, and I'm done. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm, sort of done. Mm-hmm. That 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 really writes the end of this whole thing. Um, kind of in the same general vein, Hobbs and Shaw, which is a uh, Fast and Furious spinoff, um, 4K worth it in 4K? I guess. I mean, it's it's really good CGI stuff. You you the, all the car stunts are totally fake, but they don't. You know, it's hard to tell that they're fake. Um uh, sure, Idris Elba's great and is it fun watching Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham kind of do their shtick, I yeah, guess.
1: Yeah. Um
0: you know, I mean
1: There's a I, weird thing going on in that movie where yeah. it was it was it was plain to see that neither one of them were going to lose
0: well, it's in their contracts. It's, you know. Oh, it did, to, yeah, uh, you know that, right? I did not know this. Yeah, it's in their contracts that they're not allowed to lose fights.
1: I, it's it's just, it it's, makes for a ridiculous. You cannot, I
0: know. Oh, man. I know. Um, the person who really gets the best of this is Idris El, because he gets to be the heavy. And yeah. he's like He's basically like a, like a, a cyborg uh, villain, and he gets to have fun, and it's, it's okay. He gets to be more of an actor than the other two, who. Have it in their contracts so they can't yeah. lose fights. Um, dude, let's be serious. Jason Statham will get his ass kicked. <laughs> of course he would. He would. It, like, <laughs> yeah. like uh, seriously. Yeah, I mean, six, come on. Six foot five. God, I forgot just, six. I, I, you know, come on, Statham. At a certain point, just 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 bite the bullet. Yeah. The,
1: yeah, the, got, the, yeah. the
0: rock will eat you alive, yeah. man. It would stop,
1: be funny if it. he knew it in the movie. If in the movie instead of you know if he was yeah. just like dude I'm not fighting you why would not I, I wouldn't want to get my ass kicked away anyway me.
0: a couple of couple of good bald heads though right is that the yeah, first buddy yeah, movie with two bald yeah, guys yeah
1: yeah 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 if
0: you if you are if you are out there and you're losing your hair do not feel badly about it because these these guys make a bald head look good they pull it off they pull it off anyway um, there's eighty minutes of bonus features on this thing alternate opening and deleted scenes and tons and tons and tons of other stuff so if you like the movie you are just gonna sit around all day and get nothing done. Uh, the Lion King, the new—I uh, don't want to say live action, but CGI to death. This yeah, thing—they yeah. um, just kind of take the heart out of it, to be honest. This is the ultimate collector's edition. Made a
1: ludicrous amount of money, which I just would not, not have—I would not have predicted after out, I saw it.
0: Outrageous amount of money. Uh, good voice casting on here. We were talking about Chouette Allegio for earlier. Yeah. Alfre Woodard, Seth Rogen, Donald Glover, uh, you know, John Oliver, Beyonce, James Earl Jones—they just went to town. And it's beautifully done. And yes, you know, uh, John Favreau directs the hell out of it. It's even more impressive than what he did with the uh, Jungle Book, and yet it just feels totally soulless. Uh, it's got all kinds of you know bells and whistles on this thing. The HDR is dazzling. The 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 Dolby Atmos. If you have a Dolby Atmos system, it'll just it'll pump up those speakers. I mean, it is it is something to show off your system for sure. But you know what? Original movie still better. Yeah, yeah, yeah significantly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the uh, animation is where that should be. I don't. I, yeah. I the problem with that is that while it's not uh, live action, it's also not. It's photorealistic. It's f- this photorealistic yeah. thing, and I do not want. Uh, the, you, well, first, of all, you know, I have an issue with all. Yes. Yeah. But, <laughs> no. so, but photo. When you make it photorealistic, now yeah. you're really. Now we're really into a bizarre, bizarre uh, <laughs> valley of the. Uh, whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and the last of our new 4K releases here is uh, produced by, produced by, you know, whatever, Guillermo del Toro, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which has a long history of being a controversial book. Mm. This uh, doesn't necessarily draw significantly on it other than the title, directed by Andre Ouvredal, bringing a little bit of uh, Scandinavian gothic sensibility to it. Um, And... All this all takes place in uh, 1968 Mill Valley, America, and uh, it's it's you know there's a nice kind of old school gothic sensibility that uh, informs these stories that uh, are scary, but mm, somehow a little too polished to be as scary as they should be. So I'm less enthusiastic about this than probably a lot of people. Um, part of it is that, you know, once you get to this level, they have to be rated Mm PG-13. You make them PG-13, you start taking the teeth out of them, literally and figuratively, Mm -hmm. and uh, you're left with a movie that is more easy to market than to enjoy. Yeah. Nonetheless... Model Toro's name means a little something. So, scary stories to tell in the dark does certainly look good in 4K uh, and has a, a handful of extras on it, uh, mostly featurettes and mood reels. And uh, there's even a uh, thing, uh, some. Uh, uh, behind the scenes trailers and set visits, which is kind of nice. It has the
1: sort of uh, the, the sort of creepy crawly uh, thing that uh, Gil Guillermo does, you know. Yeah. Where he contorts and twists human bodies yeah. up in that wacky sort of way that he does. So, you know, if you're into him and the thing that he does, it's there. He didn't direct that movie, no. Uh, but he, you know, you can see him in the movie. Yeah, you can. Yeah.
0: His in, his influence and his uh, his oversight is definitely a part of it. Yeah.
1: Uh, you gotta go. To, what are you gonna go to? Uh, a few let's, newbies? Let's,
0: yeah, let's do new new movies. A couple
1: yeah, of few, a couple of newbies over here.
0: We got more 4K, but that's <laughs> all the new movie 4K. So let's uh, dive this in. This is but 4K too. Oh, uh, yes, no, yeah, yeah. That, that that one's not. This no, are. this is Blu-ray. Yeah.
1: Uh, this was an interesting movie, Ophelia. Basically, uh, Hamlet told from uh, Ophelia's point of view. Yeah. Uh, which was an interesting sort of thing to do. Uh, from the director Claire McCarthy, uh, Daisy Ridley, name we watched Clive, Clive Owen. All the sort of familiar characters, Hamlet's in the movie. Uh, but we're we're in Ophelia's point of view. I suppose if there's a problem with this movie, is it's that we know what happens to Ophelia. <laughs> So you know, right. uh, y- y- everything yeah. at the end of the day must 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 lead us yeah. to there, and that uh, and that, that sort of bugged me about that movie just a little bit. Uh, from the, from the producers of A Nightmare on Elm Street, ambition. Uh, nice little sort of thriller. Young woman, she's a singer. Uh, she's very ambitious. Uh, she's about to have the biggest uh, performance of her life. Uh, there are all kinds of other singers who are performing around. the They start to die. They start to die in these bizarre ways, and she feels like uh, that the, this. Uh, of a thing that's going on, it's creeping toward her. you um, um, you have a uh, Shades of Black Swan, Shades of Carrie, uh, here, not bad at all. I rather enjoyed it. Directed by Bob Shea, uh, with a, um, uh, with a, with an appearance by Lynn Shea. Oh, uh, nice. You know, Lynn Shea, who yeah, all the movies. um, let's see here. We've got Strange But True. Which is a neat little movie too. Uh, she, 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 she. This is a woman. Uh, she tells her family uh, that she's pregnant uh, with her deceased boyfriend's uh, baby.
0: Oh dear! Yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's going to be a problem. Uh, and uh, you know, so but it, it, it's it's a sharp little movie. There's a whole lot more going on in it than that. I rather enjoyed it. Amy Ryan in the film. Greg Kinnear. Brian, the wonderful Brian Cox. Uh, who I now he's in that series that we were talking about yeah. a year ago. Uh, succession. Yeah. Brian is just amazing.
0: And he keeps on doing everything. He just all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yes. Um all right. Um the, we got, we got Charlie's Angels, not the new one, which I am not going to see, by the way. Have I mentioned that? I'm not going to see the new Charlie's yeah, Angels because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a woke Charlie's Angels. Let me explain something to you people. <laughs> I was a, I was a pubescent boy in the 70s when Charlie's Angels was Bear on. Fawcett. I watched it because it was not woke. No. Because Angels in Paradise, the season two premiere that took place in Hawaii for no reason other than to put them in bikinis. That was important. Yeah, that was important to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and the yeah. thing about it is, um, look, you're
1: woke, not woke. The, the the existence of Charlie's Angels, even in 1970, whatever that yeah. was, uh, these three women is
0: really kind of a progressive it, we're, we're, thing. We're yeah. already woke
1: uh, yeah. to to the extent that we're going to give these well, ladies well, guns well, well, and we're going to let them solve some crimes. Yeah, they're working for the dude. They're working yeah. for the man, but that's okay. I, I was okay. I, I, I a well, no problem with Charlie's Angels, man. Let me
0: let me start with Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, the sequel. So the, the the Lucy Lou Drew Barrymore Cameron Diaz Charlie's Angels, uh, which is not on 4K. That's only on Blu-ray with a uh, with a digital copy on it. Um, uh, movies Anywhere. So so that was that's a terrible sequel. It just it just yeah. was. It was just terrible. Uh, they they included theatrical and unrated version here. Uh, has a ton of extras on it. Uh, you know it's nice to see Bernie again. You know Bernie Mac uh, left us far too soon. Um, yeah. and he's really good in this, and it's got a few cute things, but this is a really, really, really substandard sequel that I honestly can't recommend in any way. The original Charlie's Angels, though, which has a phenomenal performance from Sam Rockwell in it. This is when a lot of people discovered Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. and he is great in this. Uh, this, I remember describing this Charlie's Angels, directed by McGee at the time. Yeah. I, I believe my exact words were... This is the greatest thing that any intelligent being has created in the known <laughs> or unknown universe. That's how uh. much I enjoyed this movie. Watching it again, I'm still correct. This Charlie's Angels is a boatload of fun. Bill Murray, come on. It's just, uh, this thing was absolutely a total and complete blast. It's just wonderful. I didn't think I would like it at the time because I thought Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Lou, that's eh, mm-hmm. kind of a weird, you know, that doesn't really match up to oh no no. No, no. I mean, you can't really replace my original angels or mm-hmm. even Cheryl Ladd. Mm-hmm. But boy, is this a lot of fun. It is just so tongue in cheek. It is relentless. It it just it when it's funny, it is through the roof funny. It is really, really terrific. So um I really had a great time with this. A lot of the credit has to go frankly to the fact that John August and Ed Solomon were involved in writing it. Uh, Ed Solomon brings all of that men in blackie kind of uh, humor and John August, who does a wonderful screenwriting podcast, is is one of the best cleanup guys around. So uh, yeah, I really enjoy this. McGee's career hasn't really gone anywhere, but boy, that original Charlie's Angels is still a blast. 4K deserves every bit of it. Commentary with McGee on the Blu-ray. Uh, and deleted scenes and music videos and bloopers and six featurettes. It is a lot of fun.
1: Groovy, groovy, groovy. A couple of these?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Uh, Let's see here. Uh, this is a little movie called Assault with Tom Sizemore uh, in the lead. Um, I, I kind of like this movie because what it's really about is this woman uh, who decides to uh, rob and kill her abusive husband, uh, and she and her best friend, uh, you know, uh, uh, take it under take it decide that uh, um, uh, Tom Sizemore plays this detective yep. uh, who's going to try to figure out what the what the heck they're doing. This is actually a pretty sharp little little movie that many years ago, no, whatever, ten fifteen years ago, Tom Sizemore when he was a movie star, yeah, would have would have probably had a nice theatrical release and and, sure. and made his way around the world. Right. It's still a pretty good little movie. Tom Tom Sizemore, now that's a career that just, you know, what are you, you going to say about that, uh, Tom Sizemore's career? He was there and he just went sideways, all that crazy stuff with Heidi, with the um, with the Madam Heidi, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there he is, still working. The Art of Self-Defense. I rather enjoyed this very, very dark little comedy. Uh, this uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Alessandro Nivola, Imogene Poots. Um, uh, Jesse plays this guy. He's just this bookkeeper, this accountant guy. gets he gets beat up uh, really, really badly. Um, um, he's you know kind of a meek little guy. He decides to join this dojo, which is run by this guy uh, Alessandro Novola, who's really this sort of like
0: still a really good actor, great actor. Yeah, uh, he's
1: he, 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 and you know good martial artist and this and a good teacher, but he's really sort of this toxically masculine guy. Uh, And Imogene Poots is in the class, and she's a brown belt. And it's all about how Jesse Eisenberg uh, becomes a bit more like them as he gains the skills to defend himself. It's Some interesting questions being asked here. It's it's a bit of a dark comedy. I liked it quite a lot, uh, written and directed by Riley Stearns. Uh, This has a couple of bonus features on it, an important message from the sensei, and some cast and crew interviews there. Uh, You got one over there you want to knock off?
0: Yeah, let me knock off Red Heat. Uh, 4K of Red Heat. Uh, I don't know who thought that this needed to be on 4K. That's a very strange choice. But uh, Lionsgate has given us, in point of fact, a 4K of Red Heat, starring James Belushi and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, uh, here's the history of Red Heat. There was a moment... Uh, back around uh, you know, nineteen. What what when was this? Late eighties. Yeah, about nineteen ninety maybe when this was released. Anyway, uh, there was this moment where Walter Hill said, "You know, I really need to find another way to do another forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't do another forty eight hours. Eddie won't do one." And uh, Nick Nolte won't do one. But you know what? I'm going to do one with Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Belushi. Yeah. And we're going to make it. And we're going we're to take off on that Rocky thing. And we're going to do uh, Schwarzenegger is going to play a Russian. Because if they, if they bought uh, Dolph Lundgren as a Russian, well, they'll believe Schwarzenegger's a Russian. No, they won't. Anyway, so uh, effectively this is 48 hours done as a Cold War buddy cop thing. Does not really work. Uh, Arnold plays a Russian detective who has to pair up with James Belushi's completely undisciplined, uh, crazy American detective to track down a Russian uh, drug kingpin in Chicago. I mean, it's you know, it's got some obligatory Walter Hill stuff in it. The action is okay. Um, it's nicely shot. Matthew Leonetti shot it. It's, you know, it's a good looking movie, but. Ultimately, you know, you got to remember, this thing was produced at the time by Mario Casar and Andrew Vajna, or v- Vanya, however you pronounced it, um, who who were uh, the guys behind a lot of these big, dumb action movies at the time, and it just doesn't work. It's just a stupid, big, dumb movie. Lots of featurettes on it, um, one on Schwarzenegger and a featurette on the stunts and, and stuff like that, both in the Blu-ray and the 4K, but... Does this deserve to be in 4K? Is anybody really saying I need to yeah. beef up my 4K collection at home with Red Heat? I can't imagine. I really can't.
1: Interesting thing. Yeah, we were talking. We were talking about uh, the, the new Terminator movie. Uh, which I think came out uh, a week or so ago. Arnold. Arnold and that. Was that before or after the Conan movies? I know it was after. Oh, it's after. It's well after. well after all those movies. Because I'm asking myself, why is Arnold in this movie? Yeah. By then, he's already Terminator. He's probably already the guy from Predator. He's probably already the guy from...
0: What the hell is he in that movie for? It's kind of nuts. See, I want them to do another Predator with with Arnold in it. He hasn't been in another one since the first one. No. Bring back Arnold. Bring back Jesse. Mm -hmm. And say, the first action movie to start Two ex-governors. <laughs> the marquee writes itself, man. Oh, I love Come it.
1: I love it. love it. love it. I love it. Love it. Uh, Wild Rose, uh, Jesse Buckley, uh, Julie Walters in this rather uplifting and and and, and moving little film about this little uh, young woman from Glasgow. She's been in all kinds of trouble, just getting out of prison. She's twenty three years old, uh, but she travels to America to become a country singer, mm-hmm. which is not nearly as crazy as. As it sounds, I, I, to me, I can see a sort of musical kinship between these two places. Um, uh, and it's, it's a lovely movie with a lot of wonderful performances. In it. I, you can never go wrong with Julie Walters, as far as I'm concerned. been in love with her since educating Rita. Um, uh, a couple of bonus features, including some uh, del- deleted scenes and an interview with Jesse Buckley in this really rather lovely movie.
0: And we have a f- another 4K. This is the 4K of Scarface. 1983 the gold edition now we're going to be talking about the uh, the world is yours edition on the holiday show that's uh, we're not going to cover that right now but the Scarface gold edition for those who just want the pretty much straightforward 1983 Scarface and not all the other bells and whistles and and doodads um, this is totally worth getting I mean Scarface looks great it, John Alonzo was the DP fantastically well shot film by a great great cinematographer and, uh, you know, really cool soundtrack that includes Giorgio Moroder's soundtrack and some fantastic songs, uh, all of which just, you know, on uh, 4K lossless audio, really, really, really hums. Uh, they did a great job over at Universal putting this together. It comes with a Movies Anywhere code, so you can put it up there like I'm going to, so that your uh, your child will find it among the Disney films mm-hmm. on Movies Anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure my daughter is going to say, what is that movie? And I will say, well, sit down now that my Mommy's not in the room, and we're going to say hello to Al Pacino's little friend. You're going to love this movie. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. No. Don't send us emails. No. But if you want to, gods at digigods.com, gods at That'll all get to us. Uh, but I, I, you know what? This People forget this movie's nearly three hours long. Written by Oliver Stone, directed by Brian De Palma. And uh, based, obviously, on the uh, original 1932 Paul Muni film. Uh, But, uh, you know, brought into the present day. uh, He's now a Cuban mobster in the the, uh, the, uh, Havana airlift and all that stuff. Uh, One of Al Pacino's best performances. I don't care how hammy it is. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is terrific. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, a little less than terrific. Stephen Bauer is very, very good as well. Um, I just still think it's a great film. It's iconic. Everyone loves it. Bob Loggia. Uh, is terrific in it. It's just it's just so excessive. Yeah. Everything about this film is excessive. But it's like Oliver Stone brings out the best in De Palma, and De Palma brings out the best in Oliver Stone. And uh, it, the finale is great, and I just love this movie. I really, really love this movie. So there it is, Al Pacino and Scarface, the gold edition on 4K. This deserves to be on 4K.
1: Mm, 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 mm. Very, very good. So I have the kitchen. This was uh this was an interesting little film um, uh, that they put together, adapted from a graphic novel, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, Widows, except not. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> uh, yeah, Widows, which was not a that was a divisive film. I didn't, yeah. I didn't care for Widows. I Stephen, didn't Stephen Queen film from the a... the British from miniseries is better. Yeah, It's very good. Yeah, very good. yeah uh, this this sort of split the different. Look, there was some good. There's some good moments in this film. Uh, Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, uh, um, uh, Elizabeth Moss. And the movie, there's some good moments in the movie, but the movie really did not hold together in a completely coherent way all the way through. That's just a fact. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, you know, an, uh, Dom Hall Gleason's actually pretty good in the movie. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, you, you, if you're a fan of these ladies, if you're a fan of gangster films, uh, just told just and complete, maybe you might find something interesting here. There's a feature right on it um uh the movies in anywhere code and all that kind of business but i don't know did not quite hold together this movie i was a little bit disappointed the art of racing in the rain um was a lovely movie <coughs> uh, but you got to kind of be into these into these movies about uh, you know, dogs and what we can learn from our animals yeah uh you know it's about this about this guy he's a uh, burgeoning a mile of intimate meal of uh, Burgeoning Formula One driver, he has this puppy, and he, you know, he sort of figures out a whole bunch about life because he has this dog that he sort of grows up with. It's it's lovely. These are these are not my kind of movies, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh-huh. Learning from the dog, I don't know, whatever, and all that kind of stuff. Nevertheless, uh, the Blu-ray has some special features on it, uh, including an auto, audio commentary with the director Simon Curtis. Under brother cover too. What the hell,
0: man? I know, I know. This makes no sense at all. Michael Jai White. We were saying we were talking about nobody this the from show. the first
1: film was even in the movie.
0: I know, and it's all these years after, yeah. and there's no Eddie Griffin, and yeah. uh, and and we are also now arriving in the shadow of Dolomite is my name, yeah, which. You know, uh, like Undercover Brother sort of leads you into an appreciation for what the original Dolomite was. Yeah. But Now with Dolomite is my name on Netflix. Yeah. Which takes it in a more serious direction. It humanizes it. It's it gives you it's a rich, a wonderful story. I've talked to so many people who've discovered it on Netflix and can't believe how good it is. This feels like it's taking a step backwards. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, and look, it's like, it's like I, we talked about it before. It's an IP, it's an intellectual yeah, property. And, and the sort of notion you put together that's the it. right elements, you can, you can make a movie. So I'm not so mad at them. It's just that I'm like, why couldn't they apply all of that to something a little bit, anyway, whatever? Yeah. Uh, undercover, no special features on that at all. The the Kevin Smith machine uh, just keeps on giving. That's crazy. That uh, is the weirdest movie, Ma- Madness in the Method. And it's really I, it's not a Kevin Smith film. It's a Jason Mewes film. Jason Mewes, of course, you know from all those Kevin yeah. Smith films, all the way back to the original Clerks, and work your way Kevin, through it. Kevin every, threw him a bone. Kevin throws him a bone. Kevin's yeah. in the movie along with all of that whole crew of people, yeah. but Jason is actually directing this movie, uh, a movie that is about him. He's playing a character with his name or jay you know from jay and silent bob from the kevin smith films and it's about how jay wants to be taken uh, more seriously as an actor and uh, and, and kind of goes crazy anyway <laughs> if if, you, if you're into all that kevin smithy kind of stuff maybe you'll enjoy this uh, i thought it was just bananas
0: uh and our last 4k is uh i would almost say this is the pick of the week along with Galaxy Quest, but this is, you, you just can't get any better. They have finally put, for its 80th anniversary, that's right, this year mm. is the 80th anniversary of The Wizard of Oz. Yep. Now, it's also the 80th anniversary of a lot of other movies. Mr. Mm. Smith Goes to Washington, Gone with the Wind. There's a lot of other stuff. Uh, uh, 1930, 1939. Yeah. G- Gunga Din. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that came out in 1939. That was a huge year. However, the one film that lingers is The Wizard of Oz. It didn't win all the Oscars, but it's the one that everyone remembers, the one everyone grows up with. Mm-hmm. My daughter keeps watching The Wizard of Oz, an 80-year-old movie yeah. that she watches with all of her, that she prefers to watch to a lot of new movies. It just is a magical movie for so many reasons, and it's on 4K, and it is an unbelievable 4K transfer. It is unbelievable. It is, it is harder to do good 4K transfers, believe it or not. Of older movies, especially like three-strip Technicolor movies, because the resolution back then, the film grain was was grainier, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to to find detail in it that you don't want mm-hmm. to find to start making it so you can tell. Oh, those trees are fake. Oh, look, she's wearing makeup. Oh, look, the ruby slippers are just made with sequins; they're not really rubies. Mm-hmm. You can you can pull de- seriously. You can pull yeah. detail out of the movie that will ruin it. So they have to be extra careful with older movies to make sure that the level of detail there is an archival level of detail, not oh hey now that we can get the best out of it let's just yeah you, know, you can't
1: crank no. it up to eleven just cause you shouldn't oh, crank it up to eleven look, just cause look that, because that, you that can't.
0: tornado's not really a tornado oh look that's actually not the not 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 the Kansas cornfield yeah. back there it's just a big canvas backdrop yeah. that stuff will become obvious if it gets too detailed yeah, yeah. so you, you don't want to go there you want to keep the magic and boy they did a great job they did a wonderful job it is just a beautiful transfer and. Lots Lots of great extras on here. There's a commentary with uh, John Fricky and Barbara Freed Salzman, who is Arthur Freed's daughter. Arthur Fried, of course, who ran the whole uh, musical operation over at MGM at the time, the great songwriter. Uh, and uh, cast and crew. Uh, there's a wonderful Wizard of Oz making of a movie classic uh, feature at Documentary on here. And then a lot of great stuff on the Blu-ray as well, including a, uh, a video storybook read by Angela Lansbury and galleries and a sing-along feature and a lot of other great stuff. uh, But but the most important part of this, frankly, and especially for us, is that it has a Movies Anywhere code. So it gets added to the library, and my daughter, who knows now at six years old very well how to navigate Voodoo and Movies Anywhere apps, Uh, she can go on the smart TV and click, 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 click. She finds Little Mermaid. She finds Frozen. She finds Wizard of Oz. It is a parental dream come true. It really is. Trust me. The previous Wizard of Oz did not have that capability. This one does. Be grateful for it. Upgrade as fast as you possibly can. Dive into it. The Wizard of Oz, one of the all-time great achievements in movie history. Groovy, groovy, groovy.
1: I've got one over here, um, a rather sharp and pointed Mexican uh, revenge film called uh, Tattoo of Revenge. Um, This is set in Mexico City in the early 90s. Uh, a, a woman is just a horrible, lawless time. All kind of the, the police are crooked. Everything's horrible. Uh, and and the this is woman who's going around, uh, and she finds these men who have raped young women. Oh, uh, and and she gives them a drug and she tattoos them. Uh, across the face, an in interesting in other idea. Places. Yeah, it's really, it's really whiskey disguises, and it's a very, very sort of sharp and, and, and pointed sort of revenge uh, thriller going in there. And I, it, it, it's a really, really neat little movie. Uh, it comes with a few. It's in, it's in uh, Spanish. It comes with a few features with subtitles. It comes with a few features, including some deleted sen- scenes and a making of uh, a documentary and an interview with the director and producer. Fantastic. Love that little movie. A couple, couple more here. Uh, I saw this film uh, when it came out, Angel of Mines. Nomi Rapace film with Luke Evans. Um, uh, it's about this woman who's uh, grieving the death of her daughter. And she starts to sort of lose it a little bit when she st- believes that she's seen her daughter uh, and that her daughter is still alive. Uh, and and what it means to their marriage. Uh, it's a very very g- good little film. It's a mystery. It plays like a drama, but it's actually sort of a mystery thriller. Uh, and uh, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was actually quite uh, quite good. I, I'm surprised it didn't get a bigger a bigger release. Uh, special features include the making of and some interviews with
0: the cast and crew. And one more. Uh, you can go on. All right. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into uh, uh, classic movies library titles now catalog titles. I want to start off with Milestone, uh, the people at Milestone. We love the people at Milestone. They do such good work. Uh, So many great archival efforts. This is a movie from 1984. It is in the uh, National Film Registry, very deservedly. It's called Bless Their Little Hearts, and it is the debut film from Billy Woodbury, who is one of the seminal figures of the L.A. Rebellion, which also included Julie Dash who we interviewed on this show for uh, her film uh, Daughters of the Dust. Uh, Billy Woodbury, as it turns out, uh, was somebody that I knew when I was in film school. And, uh, you know, I was in film school roughly, uh, uh, you know, this was made in 1984. I was there, you know, about 88, Mm. I think is when I got in 88, 89. So, uh, and Billy Woodbury was working in the UCLA Film Department at the mm-hmm. time. And I thought, oh, it's just one of, you know, you, you see the teachers, you see the staff, you see the people working, you know, renting you equipment, doing whatever. And you know, there's just, they're just people, they work in there. You don't realize that some of them may be filmmakers. Mm. You know, it sort of doesn't dawn on you until your screenwriting teacher says, yeah, I wrote this movie. And you go, really? Why are you teaching here? <laughs> uh, and, you know. My, Hollywood works that way. Because Hollywood works that way. Some of them have won Oscars. And that's just how it is. You know, a steady paycheck is is uh, is something that doesn't come very easily in Hollywood. Um, and that was revolutionary. That's when I learned about the LA Rebellion, which mm. was a collection of black filmmakers who had gone to UCLA Film School who wanted to take the next step beyond Charles Burnett. Charles Burnett. These are these are people that said, you know, we, we're not just about uh, pimps and cops mm. and Shaft and Dolomite and all of this stuff. That there are stories to be told artistically in a in a in a crossover way that will speak both to the community and to people who need to understand the community. Yeah. And that's what the L.A. Rebellion was about. And Julie Dash did that. And Bless Their Little Hearts is an amazing movie. Y- if you're not weeping uh, multiple times in this movie, you, just don't ha- you do not have a heart. Um, it's a story of a man who's, uh, who's having a hard time supporting his family. His wife is supporting the family. And it is about his struggles with manhood, uh, his sense of manhood, both internal, but also what he feels is expected of him as a black father, as a black man in a mm-hmm. household. And he... Um, he, is, he winds up to recover that sense by having an affair, and it is that affair that then impacts everything else in in an, in an extraordinary and, and a, a cataclysmic and devastating way. Um, it is a powerful film. It is a beautiful film. It is a poetic film. And what wonderful, wonderful restoration work has been done on this uh, by the UCLA Film and Television Archive and Ross Lipman, uh, just absolutely wonderful uh, milestone just does, did a great job overseeing all of this. And there's a wonderful commentary on here with uh, Ed Guerrero from New York University. There is a restoration of Billy Woodbury's first film from 1980 called The Pocket Book, which is also beautiful, and a workshop with Billy, uh, courtesy of Indiana University Black Film Center and uh, a uh, a Ross Lippman interview, uh, an interview with Ed Guerrero, the uh, NYU professor who does the commentary, and then a, uh, a, a very, very personal behind the scenes photos that Billy Woodbury himself took uh, during the shooting of it. So you you just it's 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 a beautiful, beautiful thing. I hope that there is cause to put this onto Blu-ray someday because it absolutely deserves it. But for now, you got the DVD, and it is a wonderful discovery. Bless their little hearts by the great Billy Woodbury. Yeah, fantastic. Uh let's see, a few other uh classic titles here, and uh we should kind of start to wrap up some of this. We got a few couple things there, a couple yeah. things here. Yeah, we'll 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 dot these things and then we'll get into uh our Galaxy Quest finale. Uh A Man for All Seasons is out again from uh Columbia and Sony. This is a an MOD version of it, so you should look for that. It was out previously from Twilight Time. This one has uh, a Life of St. Thomas More featurette on it. Man for All Seasons, of course, Best Picture winner. Written by Robert Bolt, directed by Fred Zinnemann, from uh, 1966. The uh, second consecutive, uh, or not consecutive, but second Best Picture winner of the uh, decade written by Robert Bolt. The first being, of course, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. And uh, this is great. Paul Schofield playing Robert Moore uh it, it just it, an absolutely awesome, superb oscar-winning performance and an amazing supporting performance as well by robert shaw playing henry VIII. great stuff all the way through really one of the all-time great films of the 1960s also includes a very young john hurt so check that out that's man for all seasons on mod blu-ray uh got a uh, got a couple of weird culty titles here too one is called skateboard not a very good film, but kind of a cult film. Uh, it's a this is about a guy who's uh, you know an agent who's got a, he's he's in debt to this bookie and he's got to come up with money really fast. So he uh, puts together like a, a team of you know skateboarders to as a way of trying to sort of dig himself out of debt. It makes no sense. It's made nine seventy eight for not a lot of money, but Leif Garrett uh, is in it. Uh, very, very young Leif Garrett, so that's got to be worth something. Uh, George Gage and Tony Alva, the uh, world's first big skateboarding champion who's actually in the movie, they do the audio commentary. George Gage uh, does the um, uh, does an interview. Tony Alva does an interview. Eh, it's all right. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a cult movie. It's a DVD, and uh, if you don't, if you never heard of the movie, it's not going to impress you, but, uh, and George Gage didn't really go on to direct anything else, but It's okay. You know, it's got some good skateboarding in it. If you're a skateboarding historian, you'll probably enjoy that much, uh, if not the story. And then My Samurai. What a bizarre movie from 1992 this was. Um, This has Mako and Julian Lee in it. It's uh, not a very good martial arts movie, but it's part of the MVD Rewind collection, so it has that VHS look to it. And it's got a VHS, you know, feel, uh, it's it's one of those movies from the early '90s, uh, you know, AFM specials. I used to always call them. Directed by Fred Dresch who didn't really go on to do much uh, of anything else. But you know what? Um, Mako is in it, and I love Mako. So anything else that Mako is in, I, I'm always going to recommend, just because Mako is super cool. But uh, otherwise, My Samurai, uh, you know, modestly modestly interesting. Terry O'Quinn also in it, if that's worth anything to anybody. A uh,
1: couple couple yeah. left
0: over here.
1: Uh, including uh, a couple of Norwegian films, this is uh, t- a two-film collection pack. The first one being "The Wave," mm-hmm. uh, which is loosely based on true stories—a uh, true story uh, yeah, yeah, about this scientist, uh, a, a geologist—and uh, and he's going to work in this particular pass in Norway. And a big chunk of the the mountain, the glacier, falls off into the ocean and creates this gigantic uh, wave—a uh, uh, sort of tsunami. I don't—they don't call this them actually tsunamis. Happened. Yeah, this actually happened yeah. uh, there, and, and they so they made a movie about that. Two thousand. 2015, 16, something like that. A nice, thrilling uh, Norwegian thriller is what it really is. And then they made another movie, same character, same guy, same family. And the movie is The Quake.
0: Aww. So he moves
1: his family, He gets away from the coast. Get that, away from didn't the... You know, that didn't happen. No, that didn't happen. They made this one up uh, totally and completely. Uh, and then you have this movie, The Quake. Uh, it's a two-disc collection. Both of these films are actually pretty good um, uh, uh, th- that you're watching. Uh, both rated R. Uh, not a whole lot of special features in the package, though. I would have thought it would have come a little bit more. It's sort of yeah. tying these two things together. Nevertheless, kind of cool. The nineteen ninety f- uh, nine film, Snow Falling on Cedars.
0: Ah, uh, uh, people uh, hated this. And I oh loved it.
1: man, this movie got so beat up. And I uh, loved it. Uh, it, it back then. I'm not really sure Scott Hicks, Hicks directing. Uh, Ethan
0: Hawke's Max von Sydow. Uh,
1: I, I don't know. I thought it was a rather lovely, moving, uh, touching film.
0: I thought it was really poetic, and the uh, you know it deals uh, significantly with it's an interracial romance, Japanese, and, and, yeah, and deals American with it uh, yeah, yeah. deals with the internment camps uh, in, during World War II and all that. But there's these the scene. There's a scene, an extended evacuation scene, moving the Japanese citizens into the internment camp, which uh, is all visual, no dialogue, and it's just, I think it's a beautiful piece of cinema. I don't think it gets enough credit. Yeah, beautifully shot, too. Great that that's on Blu-ray. Sam
1: uh, Shepard, everybody in the movie. Uh, Quartet. The 1981 quartet, James Ivory. Uh, James Ivory yeah. film, uh, beautiful movie. Uh, young, young Alan Bates, uh, 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 Isabella Gianni, uh a young woman. Uh, her husband goes to prison. Uh, who's an art collector? He goes to prison. She ends up in this family. Maggie Smith, uh, uh, Alan Bates, and all, and a, and a very bizarre little relationship sort of develops out of all that. Uh, it's a classic Ivory that Merchant does. Ivory uh, Ivory Merchant yeah. film, beautifully done. Uh, with this film from our uh, the Cohen collection here. Fantastic. And it's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, this has all kinds of wonderful special features. And you should definitely check that out.
0: And we got a couple here from VCI, and then we're going to talk about Galaxy Quest and uh, wrap the show out. Uh, the two VCI titles, and VCI always finds these really cool little kind of eccentric gems that are uh, part of film history. The first one is Lost City of the Jungle, 13 uh, chapters in this serial story, which was remastered in 2K from the original 35-millimeter fine-grain elements. So it looks as good as it's going to look. These things were not shot particularly well originally, but what's really interesting is that um, you're talking about something here that was made in 1946, and um, when typically if there was an Asian actor in something it was going to be a white actor in yellow face mm. not the case here Key Luke who of course would go on to be uh, in television's uh, Kung Fu is young and handsome and uh, is the central figure here basically um, very very uh, kind of a shocking you know he, he, he plays Tal Shan, uh who is the, uh, the United Peace Foundation investigator in this thing and um, it's it's really – he's the one that stands out. It really kind of changes the, the the whole nature of what you expect from movies and serials in the 1940s, which disappeared just a few years later with the advent of television. Um, but this is a great uh, – this is a really, really cool artifact. I, as a serial, it, um, it picks up right where World War II ends, and it goes into the uh, – it kind of ties the old serialized adventures into a, an atomic age paranoia and uh it's a really really interesting uh, artifact of the era from 1946 uh Lost City of the Jungle also starring Jane Adams and John Eldridge and uh John Milljohn mm. and the other one from uh, VCI is Brother Kenya's Paradigm. um Brother Kenya's uh is a um uh, a a, a, a documentary look at the lean years of American history uh the depression and uh everything that that sort of was in socio sociologically and culturally entwined with that yeah. and uh it's really a, you know this was made in 1975 and has a, a lot of um it goes great deeply into the movies and uh how the movies culturally reflected and uh and perhaps in some cases did not reflect or tried to ease over as, in a therapeutic way what was happening uh, in the 1930s. And uh, it's a really, really good film. I'm glad that it's been uh, resurrected and that it's out again. And uh, that is from a VCI, and it has a whole hour of Pathé newsreels from the era as well. So it's got a lot of extras on it. It's really a, it's really a, a, a terrific movie. It, and it's kind of a, a lost, yeah. lost artifact in many respects, too. All right, we're going to wrap up with the 20th anniversary steelbook release of Galaxy Quest, a movie that is absolutely wonderful. Uh, we're giving away two of these. D- there's no reason to even tell you how great this movie is. If you're, if you're a f- I mean, it, look, this takes Star Trek fandom to a whole new level. Yeah. It, 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 it makes fun of it, it but in a, in a really loving way. And Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver and, uh, you know, Alan Rickman, Tony Shaloub, Sam Rockwell. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. This movie was absolutely great. Uh, directed by Dean Parasot, written by David Howard and Robert Gordon. The original script written by David Howard, who is a very dear and old friend of mine. Um, and I remember very well uh, being at a party when I first met David Howard years and years and years and years ago. And uh, he pitched me the idea of this spec script that he was <laughs> writing It was kind of based on stuff. Star- I mean, I was there, man. Yeah. I, I got pitched the, the idea, and years go by, and next thing you know, Galaxy Quest is a movie, and there it is. Uh, it wasn't called Galaxy Quest originally, but we'll get to my uh, my interview with Dave Howard shortly. Anyway, uh, this uh, we're giving away two of these, and uh, this comes with the Galactopedia, the story of Galaxy Quest featurette, uh, lots of other featurettes, things on creating the Thermians and uh, it, it deleted scenes. It's really, really a lot of fun. It is a beautiful, beautiful Blu-ray. We're giving away two of these. Just send us a, an email to gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com. And in the subject line, put thermion, Thermian. T H E R M I A N. No funny spellings. Thermian. If you're a fan of this movie, uh, you'll know how to know spell what it. That is, yeah. And then put uh, put your name and address in the body of the email. And two very lucky people will, uh, will win a copy of this. We are going to choose a winner uh on friday november 8th so make sure your email gets to us by friday november 8th and uh and we will uh, we'll have a lot of fun all right uh with that now we're gonna go into my interview with david howard and uh and we're gonna and that's going to take us out with a wonderful lovely surprise you guys are going to be absolutely elated here is the interview with david howard uh the creator and writer of galaxy quest and it is my enormous privilege to be speaking again with my good friend David Howard, uh, who uh, is, was one of the writers and the originator of Galaxy Quest. And uh, it, it, this is—it's always a pleasure to, to sort of revisit this uh, this amazing piece of pop culture. Dave, when you first pitched this to me, it was at a it was at a party, and it had a different title. And um, what was that title?
2: Uh, That was, um, it was called Captain Starshine at the time. And uh, the fun with that was um, uh, my protagonist, I can't even remember the name of my protagonist, but uh, he absolutely hated that because he just, it was so dominion. they called him Captain Starshine around town and he just hated the moniker and hated wearing it. So there was kind of a character thing there.
0: The, the, what, what led, what was, where did your curiosity originally come up for converting, um, for taking the, you know, the, you, this was sort of the first time that anybody had gone with a pop culture phenomenon like Star Trek, like these, the, the great science fiction shows of old, and, and thought, let's kind of do it in a fond, semi comedic way. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's sort of pay irreverent reverence to it and that has become more of a thing recently this was literally the first time where where was your head at that moment in time uh
2: you know it was it's interesting because um the the idea came to me um from just it was like you know uh from out of the blue um i, I wasn't looking for something like that um i was writing a play at the time and um there were scenes in this play uh, that took place in Africa, and uh, and you know, a, a, as a starving, penniless writer, I thought, yeah, I'd really like to go to Africa, but I don't have any money, so I'll do the next best thing. I'll go see an IMAX film about Africa. I know that's pathetic, but um, so I ended up down at the uh, the IMAX theaters down at USC, and uh, one of the trailers before the film that I was there to watch was this documentary that nasa had produced called americans in space and uh, it started with this this gorgeous 70 millimeter shot of of the complete earth you know uh orbiting rotating and this voice said americans in space and you know you know how it is when you when you're watching tv and you hear uh, a sponsor for a commercial and you go i know that voice i know who that is and then you and you like rather than paying attention to the product you're trying to find you're trying to Remember, is this is this Richard Dreyfus? You know, uh, you know, is this is this whomever? And uh, and finally, it hit me. Oh, it's Robert. It's uh, this is uh, Leonard Nemoy. Right. And I, and I I just I just went through this process of thinking, how did they get to Leonard Nimoy? And I thought, oh, they probably tried Bill Shatner first, but you know, he was he costs too much. Or let's get Patrick Stewart. Oh, he's in England. Well, who, who who's next on the list? And and i and i started thinking about how those guys were so hopelessly trapped in these so hopelessly typecast that you know they were going to be doing those things forever and it it just struck me of what a what a prison that was and uh and of course uh, you know there was that iconic uh Saturday night live sketch where where um, william shatner told all the trekkies to get a life and I thought this world is just so rich in terms of the the you know the genuine desire to create that that makes an actor become an actor and then getting trapped in a world that can seem so reductive and so limiting and uh so it really started as a character piece um but then to to kind of transition to to your question um in terms of involving the uh and I, 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 you know it started as a character piece that i was thinking almost as a play and then um just the idea of de- being at the conventions that just was like going to be naturally the place where that was all going to come to a head and then the idea that oh what if there were real aliens in the you know in in the audience and i thought oh now i've really got something and suddenly like it became really high concept and then then re- the relationship between the uh the the trekkies and then and, and the aliens and the and the cast that all sort of uh came out of that but I really should say that that uh, as the script was do- honestly mine was meaner mine was less sympathetic to to the audience and the fans and uh it became sweeter and more gentle through uh the the subsequent uh rewrites of the story so uh well that's kind it of how it, happened. it
0: was still. It was still right there. I mean, you you were at the crest of this. We have, you know, even the Orville now, Seth MacFarlane's show, which really seems like a very very Galaxy Quest inspired. I mean, it was yeah, it, it yeah. was in the zeitgeist, and it's it's all kind of caught fire now. And Comic Con has become a bigger thing now. Are you yeah, sort of uh, yeah. are, are you are you amazed that the the culture has gone that you were sort of at the crest of this, and that the culture is veered oh, in that yeah. same direction?
2: Oh yeah, I I you know I well you know it's it's interesting because um I have kids that are in their late teens early twenties and um they know about it of course uh and th- and there are friends of theirs who have never heard of it but I am so amazed that people uh people still know about it uh yeah. because you know i know i know when it, i know the day that it it opened christmas day nineteen ninety nine of course I remember that date and I could tell you the other five or six uh uh, you know, uh, wide release features that were released on that day, and none of those, uh, um, you know, are even remembered at this point. But but there still is a life there, and there are people who yeah. are still, you know, very excited to to talk about it. And and there are young people uh, who who, have, who are discovering it. I I uh, my I was talking to my son the other day, who's in in, the, in college, and he said he's he you know he follows uh, memes and and read it and all those things. And he said, I see something on Galaxy Quest like every other day. And it's usually somebody saying, I just watched this great film. How come I've never heard of it? So it does ha- still have a life of its own.
0: So. Well, Sam Rockwell is everywhere now and he's an Oscar winner. And, and yet, whenever I talk to people about their favorite Sam Rockwell moments, we always come up with the same line, which is, Oh, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, so it's there were so many people that uh, I mean, Alan Rickman, you know, it's still one of his uh, most popular roles. It's uh, it yeah. really has found its it has found its way into the culture and remains there, and that's why this this great new uh, Steelbook release on on Blu-ray I think is just going to do beautifully over over the holidays. Um, let's talk for for a quick second here before I, before I let you go about the uh, the the impending other version of Galaxy Quest that you've been involved in and that I think our fans will take a, our listeners will take a, a deep interest in. Sure. Uh,
2: okay. So um, what's been in the works for several years? Uh, there's probably some, some foundational information that, that maybe uh, some, most of your listeners will not know unless, unless they're like totally, you know, entertainment nerds like you, Wade and me um, <laughs> is, um, uh, uh galaxy quest was based on a spec script that i wrote that i sold to dreamworks and uh and it was covered by the the uh the wga uh, agreement minimum base basic agreement and um one of the things that stipulated in that agreement is that if a if a studio buys an intellectual an existing intellectual property that there are certain rights that uh that the writer uh that revert back to the right, you know, usually the studios buy all the rights, but, uh, but there's certain, uh, parts of the property that revert, the rights revert back to the writer. If they aren't exploited after a number of years, they're called separated rights. And, uh, one of those separated rights is the, um, uh, the, the, the right to do a live action, um, theatrical version of the story. So, um, one of the things I've been doing in the, uh, in the ensuing, you know, couple of decades since it came out is um I started working with a really talented uh composer named Brett Simmons and we've written uh several musicals together, one of which um played off Broadway for um uh, a couple of months. And um some of our work has made its way into uh the catalog of a uh a licensing company and um in my bio which was in the licensing company it mentioned galaxy quest of course because it's you know it's probably the most important thing i've ever done uh and um so these people these directors kept calling uh the owner of the licensing company and saying why does why isn't there a galaxy quest musical so and i you know honestly i didn't get it i thought you got to be how how is that going to work but um I can't discuss the people with whom I'm working at this point, but I can say that, uh, we have a, um, that we have, we have a second draft of the script. We have, uh, a complete score. We have a, uh, a director who has been nominated for a Tony who's helping us develop the work. And, uh, we have a Broadway producer who are, who are all, uh, um, you know, associated with the project and they're, they're, uh, uh, talking to parent now about the rights for the name, which is uh, another um, aspect of the whole deal that has to happen. Um, but anyway, it's very exciting. Um, we, we've uh, we've been talking for a number of years, and and uh, it's it's. Um, and, and what's funny is when I met with this director, um, she she. I I asked her. I said, "Can you do this?" And she goes, "Absolutely." Yeah. I said, "You see this working as a miracle." And she said, "As a musical." And she says, "Absolutely." And, I, and she said, what I want you to do is I want you to, you and Brett, go away, and you write the impossible script that, that you would like this to be, and then it'll be my job to translate that into something that could work on the stage. And uh, and so we did that, and um, it was really a, it's a fascinating process to, to uh, convert uh, something from another medium, especially a film, because you know, the way a film is structured, it's in, you know, sixty second increments usually. Sure. Uh and and the world is is enormous, you know. I mean, take Galaxy Quest, it's like several you know, it's the galaxy, no pun intended. And yeah. um so so um we found ourselves having to decide how we could represent that and what we could what we could do to make uh those sequences m- um satisfying in a in a live action theatrical musical way uh from taken from these these little you know 60 second two minute scenes that make up a film and what was interesting is we found ourselves digging into the backstory of the characters so in in our draft of the film um uh jason nesbeth he has a son with whom he has no relationship whatsoever uh and there's this and, and and I mean, they, they coexist and there's, there's no animosity there. And, and I mean, I, I know some people are going to go, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. You're doing that, but it's just like, it's like a, you know, a very short scene, but it gives us a, a window into who he is and why he's uh and, and his son really has very little respect for his work. You know, he sees, he, he, we see him watching galaxy quest on the, the, the TV series, which is still on the air. And, and it's really just, this is the money maker dad this is where we where we you know this is paid for everything and um and so so the joke about his um you know life's work being just a uh, uh you know um so unfulfilling so artistically unfulfilling is reinforced there and 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 he sings a song there about if he could really have uh you know been a a, a real hero if he could really had had you know fought real battles and how that would have been which kind of layers into the whole story of of what happens to the cast in the show where actors have to be have to step into those roles and become the the heroic figures that they've been pretending to be all this time and plus there's so much fun to be had with um the the the, uh the people who come to the uh, conventions you know because it is such a phenomenon there so um it's been a really fun process
0: well, I, uh, being, being as I have heard some of the music and we're going to treat our listeners to uh, one of the songs for our Out Music this week, I can say it's something that we all are really, really looking forward to. Uh, David, thank you so much for speaking with us. Best of luck with everything going forward. Can't wait for the, uh, for the musical version of this to uh, come to fruition. And with that, yeah, we're going sure. to let our listeners... <laughs> We're gonna let we're gonna let our listeners enjoy uh, the uh, the opening uh, the opening number. Here we go. Uh, we're gonna go out with that. Thank you, David. Thank you for speaking to us. I can't wait.
2: My pleasure. thank you All for right. Bye bye. Galactic travelers,
1: welcome to the 18th annual.
2: No job, no girlfriend, i got no big bucks But I found a place where the shame and disgrace doesn't bother me I could be taller, I could have more hair
0: Sure, I have acne, today I don't care
2: Cause when you leave the earth, there's a jump in self that feels very real. Today I'm sexy, I make the girls moan. Today I'm in my erogenous zone. Now I'm here, it's so clear that I get to appear how I wanna be.